when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome back to the Soto Mojo podcast. This is Colby Patnode. I'm joined by Ty Gonzalez, who has left his turquoise mansion and returned to his hobble in Toronto. Uh, Ty, how you doing? Uh, cold, uh, tired, <laughs> uh, and uh, beard is growing out. Currently in the in its very uh, early stages, but nice. we'll get there. We'll, we will get there. How long does the beard stay? Uh, through uh, through no shave November for sure. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, so yeah, guys. Uh, like I said, thank you for uh, bearing with us a little bit of the time. Uh, or our schedule is a little bit off this week. Uh, you know, ties in New Mexico, and uh, he had a tough travel day. Uh, so you know, just kind of one of those things. We're just kind of push it back. Um, and who knows? Maybe you guys like Friday episodes better. We could switch to Friday. It doesn't really matter um, to us. But I do just. Uh, I want to apologize for the schedule being just a little bit off, but uh, we wanted to make sure we got you an episode this week. So here we are, uh, even though there really isn't all that much to talk about right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, shoot, you know, you got the playoffs going on. Funny story about that. Uh, so I came home for, uh, what was it, game two? When, when was the walk-off? Game two? Like yeah. Perez walk-off? Yeah. So I'm watching that game, and I'm getting pretty tired. And like the Yankees did nothing on offense, and I'm just like, okay, whatever. So I, I I turn off the TV, head upstairs, go to bed. My dad's playing it on the radio, and all of a sudden, first pitch, Carrera hits home run, <laughs> and I'm like, great, that's just <laughs> awesome. You know, just I, uh, as soon as I'm done, you go ahead and end it because you know the with the way that the pitching was going, I was just like, dude, they're not gonna score forever. And uh, sure enough, Astros bust through, and now uh, what are they? They're only one win away, right? It's three one, three to one. Oof. Yeah. Appears that that's they have a good. Go ahead. That's going to be a good series, Astros and uh, Nats. Oh yes, the pitching matchups will be fabulous. Um, yeah, you're looking at that, what that... Scherzer versus Cole, Strasburg versus Verlander, and Corbin versus Granke. Whew. I mean, <laughs> and and you got to throw Annabelle Sanchez in there, who's been pretty pretty fantastic. Sure, sure. Yeah, and uh, Jude, what a what a playoffs, man! It's been been a pretty fun uh, postseason to watch. Yeah, it has been. It's uh, been a lot of good games. Um, of course, the the rumor is is that they've gone back to the uh, they've changed the baseball yet again. Uh, to make it less homer friendly um i don't know if that's true or not but i've enjoyed the product and um you know it's nice to not just sit around and wait for a three-run home run um i i enjoy it so i hope if they did change the baseball this is what we're using next year um but we'll see what happens there but it's it's also possible that you know really good teams usually have really good pitching 
So that might be why home runs are down. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been an enjoyable playoff. Um, they said I'm happy the Yankees uh, aren't going to win, or at least not yet. Uh, it seems like they aren't going to, and I'm actually kind of happy the Cardinals aren't uh, aren't uh, in the World Series either because I'm getting sick and tired of that fan base. So, um, you know, but, you uh, s- we got we got to say that we're Nats fans, right? Moving forward. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm rooting for the Nationals. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, speaking of the Nationals, I guess in a really horribly executed segue. Um, let's talk about this because the Nationals, as you guys know by now, uh, you know they they made it to the World Series. It's their first uh, first World Series appearance in their franchise's history, um, which does leave the Mariners as the last te- the last franchise, the last active franchise to not make a World Series. Uh, which you know Bleacher Report tweeted out. Um, John Heyman made his usual jab at it. Um, <sighs> John Heyman, the Yankee fan, who all of a sudden yesterday was totally fine. Oh yeah, he's not a Yankee fan; he's an idiot. Um, talking about the guy who was heckling uh, Zach Greinke about his uh, mental health problems. Um, thanks for chiming in there, John. Really needed you to defend the Yankees, um, but it's pretty well known. It's been out there now on social media, and. Um, it seems to have led to some kind of um, uptick in the Mariners crowd that we typically don't deal with, um, which is the apathetic, it's never going to work, this is why the Mariners suck, we should trade them for an NBA team type of deal. So, um, Ty, I guess I would just ask you, um, Mariners are the last team to appear in a World Series. How much do you care? Uh, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I care as much as I did when it was just them and the Nationals. It's sure it, it brings up bad memories of all the years that have gone by, but other than that, I really do not care whatsoever. Right. It's like, how does it change anything from the day before the Nationals went to the World Series? Like, what's the difference? Yeah, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> nothing's changed. The Mariners are still in a rebuild. The Mariners are still, by our estimations, going about it the right way. Um, they're doing everything they can to get off that list, and it's just going to take a little bit of time, um, which is completely different from the last ownership group where they couldn't care about getting off that list. They just wanted to be good and relevant enough that you would come to the ballpark and spend money. So, um this ownership group has already said that's not acceptable. Jerry Depoto said that's not acceptable. So they're trying to get off that list. They just happen to be, you know, four or five years behind where the Nationals are. So um, I just I don't I don't really care about that. I understand why some people would be upset. Um, I don't understand why anybody would would somehow think that you know the previous forty one years or whatever matter at all to what this team's doing. Um, like, because they were really bad in the eighties, it means they can't rebuild now. Uh, that's stupid, uh, for lack of a better term. I don't get it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's just kind of a easy way to look at this and, you know, you know, same old Mariners. Oh, they're so terrible. Let's get rid of them. Blah, blah, blah. Um, all that BS you hear, uh, anytime that they don't win a hundred games, um, which is often. So 
I just, I don't really care. I couldn't care less. It's a, it's a trivia question um, that nobody's going to ask. Uh, so I just, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it really isn't a big deal, you know, in the grand scheme of things. There's uh, the Mariners have a plan right now that they're trying to put in place that looks promising from the outside looking in, and uh, you know, the, there's a lot of players throughout the organization that have clearly bought into this. You have seen kind of that chain of retweets of that uh, Bleacher Report article with. It, whether it be from Kelnick or, or Julio Rodriguez or Noel V. Marte saying, you know, not for long, stuff like stuff along those lines. You have guys that are buying into it. You and really now it's it's up to the fans of whether they want to buy into it or not. You know, and, and, and right now I, I'm I bought into that. I think they'll at least in this playoff drought. I don't know about a World Series. That's an incredibly hard thing to do. Um, sure. But. If there's going to be an op, you know, if there's going to be an opportunity for the Mariners to do it in the near future, it's going to be with these guys. And uh, you know, you could realistically see everything hitting on all cylinders, and them, you know, perhaps doing that relatively soon. Yeah, um, like I said, the thing that's important for me is just that there is a uh, definitive uh, plan in place to get to a World Series, and if it takes you know, five years or whatever, then it takes five years. If it takes seven years, it takes seven years. I just, you know, I'm, I'm game for that because what was, what they were doing wasn't working. They were, they're no further away. Honestly, they're no further away from a world series now than they were last year. That's just the truth. Yeah. Um, Cause last year, their 89 win season. Did you ever watch them and go, yep, that's a world series contender. Like that's that team can win a best of seven against the Astros and that pitching staff. No, they're no diff- They're no closer. I mean, whereas last year's team closer to making the playoffs than 2019's team, yeah. I mean, but that was their absolute ceiling, you know. So they're they're. I would argue they're closer to winning a World Series today than they were a year a year ago today. So, um, just kind of how I feel about it. So, um, I just I don't care. It's not going to come up for us this off season. Um, you know, Josh wrote a pretty interesting piece about it. Um, on sotomojo.com. If you guys do care and you know you're looking for that opinion, we do have an article up about it. Um, like I said, I'm not trying to uh, try to belittle people's pain and their frustrations with the franchise. It's well warranted, but at the end of the day, I just I could not care less that they are the last team to go to a World Series. Um, I just I don't. It's not important to me um, relative to what's happening now. So. All right. Um, so let's. Uh, the other thing that kind of happened over the last week or so, um, MLB uh, Trade Rumors has released their 2020 arbitration salary estimates. Um, just real quick, if you guys need a refresher on how this works, um, arbitration is for players with who have completed uh, three years of big league service or more. Um, in years four, five, and six, they are eligible for arbitration. Uh, before they become unrestricted free agents after their sixth uh, MLB season. Uh, the way it works is that uh, sal- uh, the player will uh, submit a salary proposal uh, to an arbiter. The team will 
submit their salary proposal to an arbiter. And what normally happens is, is that the two sides meet somewhere in the middle and they say, okay, this is what you're going to make this year. Um, and they repeat that, um, until, you know, they run out of arbitration, which is three years. Uh, so it's a pretty simple process. If the two sides don't agree, they go to the, uh, arbiter and the, uh, and usually it's a retired judge or something. Uh, he will decide which salary the player gets. Do they get the players, the player submitted salary or the team submitted salary? Um, that can lead to some hurt feelings. So it's always recommended that the team just figure it out on, uh, you know, with the player without going to arbitration. Um, but it does happen from time to time. So, um, Seattle typically gets it done. Um, they can't really think of any, you know, big time salary arbitration battles that the Mariners have had in recent years. Can you? Yeah. I feel like there was maybe one with like Charlie Furbush. Yeah, or something like that. Tom Wilhelmson, maybe one. Um, Yeah. There's a few, but typically, you know, the Mariners just get it done, um, which I I think is easily the best option. Um, So we'll see how that works. Uh, But basically, guys, so when you hear us talking about ARB 1, ARB 2, ARB 3, ARB 1 means this is their first shot at arbitration. ARB 2 means this is their second shot. ARB 3 means it's their final shot before they're a free agent. Usually ARB1, guys, you start low, and then ARB2, you get a pay raise, and then ARB3, you get basically a little bit less than free agent value. Um, But that's just kind of the system, how it works. It's not particularly a good one for players, but uh, it is what it is right now, and Major League Baseball uh, likes it. Um, And MLB Trade Rumors every year, they do this... uh, they do this article where they predict the uh, the sal- the final salaries of every player eligible for arbitration, and they're pretty accurate. They get they get uh, pretty darn close. Um, so um, it's a good list to kind of work off of. And so the Mariners have ten players eligible for arbitration this year. So I thought we'd go through the list and kind of um, kind of look at the estimate and talk about whether or not we want to pay that. So um, yeah. pretty simple process here, Ty. Um, I will just go in, we'll just go in the order that they appear on MLB trade rumors. So, um, let's, let's start right off the top with, uh, feel good story. According to Bob Nightingale, Tim Beckham, um, MLB trade rumors projects a salary, a final salary of $3 million, uh, for the 2020 season for Tim Beckham. So pretty simple question, Ty, are you going to pay it or are you going to uh, let him walk? Absolutely, going to let him walk. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I'm good. Uh, there's no place for Beckham on this roster. Uh, he's going to be suspended for some like twenty something games or thirty yeah. something games uh, for the first half of the season. Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. <clears throat> Pass. <laughs> yeah, I mean that one seems pretty easy. Um, just so you guys know, if the play, if the team doesn't want to pay the player at all. Uh, they just non-tender him a contract where he becomes a free agent. So they say, you know, Beckham will submit his his salary figure and the Mariners will just say, we're just going to non-tender you. And now he's a free agent. Um, so it's a pretty simple process that way. So yeah, uh, Tim Beckham at $3 million, no. Maybe on like a minor league deal if he wants to come back, uh, compete for a utility spot, maybe. Um, but I doubt if Tim Beckham will get $3 million as a free agent. Um, so I'm yeah. not going to pay him $3 million to 
play 70 games. Um, so it's a no for me. All right, um, let's jump down real quick to Anthony Bass. This is an interesting one. Um, uh, MLB Trade Rumors projects a salary of $1.7 million for Anthony Bass. Ty, uh, what do you think? It's an interesting one. Um, I'm going to say, yeah, I pick it up. It was worth half a win last year. Um, nearly a strikeout per inning. Uh, XFIP. He, he wasn't terrible last year. They seemed to like him and use him in, in pretty high leverage. High leverages. Sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think there was there was some interest in him on the trade market at the deadline, apparently. So there might still be trade interest uh, this offseason. So picking that up will allow you to uh, to shop him. Right. I, I don't see why not. Yeah, it's $1.7 million. That's pretty much a drop in the bucket for the Mariners. Uh, you mentioned the numbers are pretty good. You know, 8Ks per 9, 3.9 uh, FIP. Uh, 0.979 whip. Um, yeah, he's, you know, probably a sixth, seventh inning guy and a good bullpen. Um, the Mariners do have to fill out their 2020 roster. So yeah, I think, uh, I think a tick under 2 million bucks for Anthony Bass, I'm, I'm willing to pay. And like you said, if there's some trade interest in him, then, you know, that salary is pretty tradable. So I, I think you, I think you pay Anthony Bass that 1.7 million. Just seems reasonable for the type of pitcher he is. So, um, yeah, I, I'm probably going to sign Bass to that deal. Yeah. All right. Let's move on here to uh, Domingo Santana, who is arbitration eligible for the second time. He's ARB two, um, and this year they're projecting a salary of four point four million dollars for Domingo Santana. Uh, so, Ty, are you going to? Pay him, or are you going to non-tender him? Yeah, world where the Mariners non-tender him uh, at that price. Uh, yeah, Domingo's coming back. Right. If nothing else, you te- you offer him the contract, so you can potentially trade him. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're not letting Santana walk away for free. Uh, even if you can only get something small in return, it's definitely worth it. Um, so, yeah, Santana's definitely coming back. Uh, I feel like the next couple are pretty similar. Malik Smith at $2.7 million. I yeah, mean, no chance that he walks. Yep. No chance for Armand Narvaez, who's who's up next on the list. So, right. yeah. Just under $2 million, $2.9 million. Um, yeah, so they're both, they're both yeah, coming back. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Like I said, if nothing else, they can be traded. Um, yeah. All right, let's 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 move on to uh, Sam Tuivalala. Um, projected arbitration eligible for the first time projected to make, uh, $900,000 in arbitration. Uh, that one seems, yeah, that (laughs) one seems pretty easy to me. Yeah. Um, absolutely. You're bringing him back. Um, let's jump over to Ryan Healy. Um, Healy arb eligible for the first time projected to earn $2.5 million. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love Ryan Healy. Uh, the person this is the player. I don't think he's worth close to 2.5. Oh, well, I mean, he's probably worth that. Um, 
I just think he's really replaceable. So I wouldn't spend that much money on a replaceable guy. Yeah, I'm going to say no, but I could realistically see them pick it up in the hopes of trading him. Yeah, uh, I, I also think a non-tender and then signing him to a either a minor league deal or a you know, a one-year $1.2 million deal or whatever. Um, yeah. I think that's a possibility because um, they still could use a, you know, a, a stopgap first baseman until Evan White's ready. Um, and Ryan Healy's at least, you know, there. <laughs> yeah. He's an option. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think ultimately Ryan Healy comes back to the Mariners. I don't think it's at $2.5 million. So, um, but we'll see. Like I said, 2.5 is really not a significant sum, especially for the Mariners who have a ton of money that they can spend this off season and they probably won't. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, Healy's probably back at spring training either, uh, either as a minor league invitee or, uh, at a reduced rate, but at 2.5 million, I'm probably just non tendering him. Um, and see what happens. All right. For sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mitch Hanniger at $3 million. That's a no brainer. Yeah. Uh, he was worth more than $3 million this year and he only paid, played what? 60 games. So, um, that's pretty obvious. Um, and then we kind of come to two that I think are pretty interesting here. Um, Matt Whistler at $1 million. And Keon Broxton at $1.3 million. Um, so, Ty, I guess, what do you think of these guys? Because they're not like locks to be on the, you know, the 25 man or 26 man roster on opening day. Um, but the Mariners clearly like them. So I, I don't know. What do you do with these two? Yeah, I think with Whistler, uh, Whistler served a, a specific role and seemed to do fairly well in that role for most of the season. Uh, I think that's a guy that you, you feel pretty good in, in giving a million to, and uh, as for Broxton, you know we've talked about the the uh, this huge uh, you know logjam in the uh, in the Mariners outfield right now, just not not just at the major league level, but throughout the organization. And I just I, I feel like Broxton being a veteran who's not going to do a whole lot for your team moving forward there really isn't a point in bringing him back um that's just where i stand i don't know if you differ on that but uh you know i like keon broxton good guy uh the player can be good uh, at times but for the most part he's i think fairly replaceable and plus you got that log jam and you need to start giving more playing time to guys like Kyle Lewis and Jake Fraley. And, you know, uh, of right. course you're going to have Mitch Hanniger and who knows what's going to happen with Domingo and Alex, et cetera. So yeah, I, I, I just don't really see a point in bringing Broxon back at that number. Yeah. yeah. I would tend to agree. Um, I think what's interesting is Broxton only got like three at bats in the entire month of September. Um, he struck out in all three. Um, uh, but I think the fact that he was on the 40 man all September, um, I think that says, you know, that the Mariners like him and they think that they can fix something with him. Um, 
I just I don't know if carrying him on the 40 man. That's the other thing. When you tender these guys a contract, you're guaranteeing them a spot on the 40 man roster. Um, I just don't think Broxton should be on the 40 man. However, I would like to keep him in the organization um, because the Mariners seem to think there's something that they can do with him. Um, so can you non tender him and then, you know, try and convince him to come back on a minor league deal? Uh, maybe, and I'm guessing that conversation's already happened. Um, and yeah, if, if you can stash Broxton in AAA and let him work on some things, you might end up with something because he did go 2020 one year and he is an excellent, uh, center fielder. So, um, there's some, some really good raw tools there, but he's almost 30. Um, so I, I just, I don't think he belongs on the 26 man roster, but if you can find a way to, sneak him on a minor league deal to Tacoma and just see if, you know, your changes help or not. Uh, that's something I'm totally down for. Um, as for Matt Whistler, uh, you know, he was pretty good in the opener role. Um, he was really, you know, quite good in one inning appearances. It was when they tried to stretch him out for an, an extra inning or two is when he tended to really struggle. So, um, you know, the slider's pretty good. You do have to fill out your bullpen. The strikeout numbers are good uh, last year as well. Uh, 63 strikeouts in 51 innings. Uh, you know, we're talking about a million bucks. I think you bring him in, and um, if he if it doesn't work out, then um, you can DFA him. It's, it's, it, like I said, it's only a million bucks. So I think I'm probably... Um, I think I'm probably going to let him, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to let him uh, have a chance to make the club out of spring training. So, um, yeah, it, it was interesting last year as the opener. He did it eight times uh, in those eight games. He struck out uh, 10 hitters, walked one, and had a, an opponent's batting average of 121 with an on-base percentage of 147. Um, compared to when he came in the game as a reliever and he was giving up an OPS of over 900. So if uh, the Mariners want to keep trying the opener type of thing, I think Whistler is a pretty good candidate for that. Um, so at a million bucks, it's, it's a risk I'm willing to take. So I'd probably, I'd probably offer Whistler the million, um, and then i probably try to sneak Broxton through on a minor league deal, um, if that makes sense. Yep. All right. So, yeah, overall, um, most of the Mariners team is pre-ARB or on guaranteed contracts. Um, so it would be interesting to see. Like A lot of times players will get non-tendered because their team is trying to clear up payroll space um, for other things. So it will be interesting to see. These are always worth watching. Um, some players who aren't scheduled to be a free agent right now will become free agents. Um, because they'll get non-tendered, and that can change things drastically. So it's always good to keep an eye on these arbitration figures and things like that. Um, and I'm sure down the line we'll have a uh, we will have uh, a nice discussion about potential options of guys who could be uh, could be non-tendered and make sense for the Mariners. So um, that's something we'll keep an eye on, and we'll, we we will revisit this list. I'm sure at some point. Um, Heck, it could be as soon as, you know, next week when the World Series is over. So we'll see how it all plays out. Um, but we we uh, we actually got some questions, uh, some late questions. So, oh. yeah, thanks for coming through, guys. 
So we're going to power through these questions, and that'll be a show, guys. And then hopefully, like I said, around November, we'll start getting a lot of rumors and things like that, and that's when the show will become really easy for us to uh, to write out our show sheet uh, because basically MLB trade rumors will have done it for us. So um, yeah, just a couple more weeks, and then we can really, really start having some fun. Um, but let's answer these questions before we get any more. Um, so... Our old buddy, uh, Seattle nine at Seattle underscore Oh nine. Uh, he would like us to, um, give some prospect ETAs for guys who are going to be up next year. So, um, basically what month we think they'll be up, I'm guessing. Um, so he lists a couple players here and we'll just go ahead and we'll, we'll do those players. Um, right now. Uh, so Kelnick, um, so he wants an ETA on Jared Kelnick. Um, he's probably going to start the year in double A again, but, uh, Ty, when do you see him, uh, making the jump to the big leagues? Um, I'm going to say probably September, but if not July, that's what I'm feeling. Okay. I'm going to go August. So, ha, huh. um, huh. <laughs> July, August or September. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the Mariners are going to give him a little bit of time down there. Um, you know, he's only 20 years old. Uh, he'll turn 21, I think, in July. Um, so no reason to rush him. Uh, I think, you know, right after the trade deadline is probably about the right time for me. Uh, but we'll see how it all works out. I wouldn't completely rule out him making the team out of spring training. Um, I would just put the odds at under 1% because it just doesn't really make much sense to do that. Um, but yeah, I think he'll probably start the year in double A and we'll see him sometime in the second half of next year, I think is reasonable. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, next up on his list is Evan white. When do you think Evan white makes it to the big leagues? Well, this is the, uh, this is quite the interesting one because Jerry DePoto said that they're giving him and that they're going to give him an opportunity to, to make the team out of camp. Right. Um, so it could be as soon as March. Um, I'm going to stay on the uh, service time and all that. Um, I'm going to say May on Evan White. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting. If they don't bring in any veteran first baseman, um, then Evan White should make the team at spring training because he's better than every other first baseman on your roster right now. Um, that being said, I still think there is a service time thing that they're going to try and push back. And, you know, in all, in all honesty, I don't know that Evan White's ready, uh, you know, to compete day in and day out at the major league level. Uh, there's still some things he has to work on. There's still some uh, swing issues and mechanics he has to work out. Um, defensively, he's always been ready, more than ready. Uh, base running wise, he's ready. But there are still some, some, you know, things that you can work out in AAA. It'll be interesting to see what baseball they use. Um and it'll be interesting if they use the major league ball again, and it's this juiced up ball we saw last year, uh, or this this year, I guess. Um, then yeah, the power is probably going to go up, and uh, White will be fine. But there is, you know, there's still some some ground ball. He hits a lot of ground balls, um, so there's still some things that he legitimately has to work on. Uh, so I think June, early June, is probably when they when they uh, pull that trigger. But uh, I said if they're truly going to give him a real chance to win the job out of spring training and they're not bringing in a, you know, Justin Smoke or Ryan Zimmerman or somebody like that, he's probably going to win it. So 
Um, it could very well be March, but I, I would say June because um, there are some legitimate things that he does need to work on um, in the minors. So um, yep. next on his list is uh, Justin Dunn. We got to see in September a little bit, and he was, you know, he looked like a rookie. I mean, he's, he's, yep. he's solid in some spots, and he really struggled in others. So uh, when do you yeah. see Justin Dunn making the, uh, the major league roster? I think he's going to break camp with the team. I actually do. I think um, I think he saw some really solid things out of him towards his last couple of appearances, and um, you know they're going to give him any and every opportunity to make it. Obviously, this is uh, depending on you know what kind of veterans they bring in uh, on the pitching side. But uh, right now, just looking at how the roster is, I think he's going to break camp with the team. Yeah. Um an interesting one because like white Dunn does have some things to work on he doesn't really have that third pitch yet um yeah. we saw his command was a little bit off um last season uh and it is there are still are you know some innings limitations there um and it's a lot easier to manage somebody's innings in the minor leagues than it is in pro ball uh or than it is at the big league level so i think that's you know there's a possibility that he spends a month or two in double a refining that um i don't see much benefit at all tim going to triple a if they're going to use the same baseballs they did last year um i just i don't really see much of a benefit of that so um we'll see what happens i think he'll have a good chance to make the club out of spring training um i also think it's possible that they maybe leave him down for a month um, to, you know, just kind of manage his, his work, his, uh, workload and, uh, you know, continue to work on that third pitch. So, um, I would say middle of May would be my guess, but, uh, yeah, yeah making it right out of spring training is a very real possibility. So, um, mm-hmm. I think that's about right. And then, uh, let's wrap, we got a lot of questions, so we're just going to stick to the big four here. Uh, Logan Gilbert, when do you suspect we'll see Gilbert? Um, I think he's going to get a really good chance to break camp with, t- with the team, but, uh, I think they'll keep him in, in, eh, I don't know if they'll do triple a, I'd like to see him stay in double a if they're going to, like you said, you know, use the same ball at triple a, I just don't really see a point in him being in Tacoma, uh, if that's the case, um, I'm going to say may on him. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, you know, Keith Law, who, as you guys know, is not one to sugarcoat. Um, he says that Gilbert's probably ready right now uh, to be an effective big leaguer. Uh, and I think the Mariners are going to give him a nice long look in spring training. Uh, but it is worth noting that he just finished his first season of professional baseball. Um, yeah. And while he is a college arm and a pretty polished one at that, um, you know, one year of minor league baseball and then straight to the big leagues is still a really fast timeline. Um, To be fair to the Mariners, he's earned every promotion he's gotten. Um, It's not like they're rushing him through. He's proving that he's too good for the levels he's at. Uh, I just, again, there's some uh, concerns with how do you manage his innings and his workload. They had to shut him down in September. They didn't have to, but they decided to shut him down in September. Um, and again, we go back to this managing innings in 2020, you're probably not uh, competing for anything. So there's no reason to try and push Gilbert to, you know, throw 180 innings. 
Um, he's probably going to be in that 150 range. Uh, and it's just a lot easier if you just save some of those bullets in the minors so that when he comes up to the big leagues, he can be ready to go at a normal schedule. So um, I think, you know, I would say May, uh, maybe early June. Um, but he's probably would be the least surprising one of these four guys to make the squad out of uh, spring training. I think he's that good. So um, we'll see how all that works out. But uh, thank you, uh, Nine, for the questions. Uh we got a lot more to cover, so that's why we're just going to cover those four. Um, let's jump over to a uh, first-time questioner, I guess you want to call it. Uh, Eli Sellers on Twitter, at EliSellers24. Um, he asked, why does everyone talk about Marco as a three or four starter? Uh, he's been right around 30th on the pitcher war leaderboards both of the last two years, suggesting he's a low in one or high in two. It seems like a perception of what a three or four is is wrong. So, uh, Ty, why do we refer to Marco Gonzalez as a three and a four uh, when his war suggests he's more of a, a two? I think a bunch of things. I really have the or even a high-end number two. Uh, secondly, uh, when I say, you know, three or four, I'm more so referring to the future of what Marco Gonzalez's status would be in a good rotation. Right now, if you put him in, let's say, because, I mean, it would be unfair to say, like, the Astros rotation because that's just ridiculous. But let's say, like, um, I don't know, what's what's kind of an, an above-average rotation that doesn't... Yeah, the Yankees. Severino, I think, Tanaka... Hap, Marco, yeah, Paxson, Paxson, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. Like, Marco's yeah. probably right there with Hap. Yeah, Marco is probably like the fourth best guy in that rotation, mm-hmm. and that's not to say that Marco is bad by any means. Uh, it just uh, there's just you know in terms of stuff and and everything like that. Yeah, he's just there and get you 10 to 12 strikeouts a game, you know, hold, hold a team to, you know, a pair of runs each game, et cetera. You know, Marco has uh, that ability to shut out a team, but he also has the ability to just blow up as well. We've seen that. We've seen him go on, you know, these weird monthly droughts where he just suddenly, not, you know, nothing works for him. And uh, we've seen that happen twice now where it was, uh, what was it, May this year and like August last year um, where he, you know, just struggled for a whole month. Uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of things that that go into Marco uh, not really being that one or two. Uh, And again, it's just talent wise. And I think, you know, by uh, by 2021 or 20, Marco will be the third or fourth best or something has gone wrong or maybe something has gone really right and Marco has to his his game or whatever that is a lot to that. but right now I, I think Marco is who he is to you know someone like Jason Vargas I think he's kind of that guy that can be a piece in the middle of your rotation and nothing right um also real fast on war 
Um, it's a good stat. I like to use it. Um, but it is a cumulative thing. Um, so guys like Marco Gonzalez, who are going to start every fifth day or whatever, uh, they do traditionally have a, you know, a higher war than somebody who is going to miss, you know, five or 10 starts a year. But what it really comes down to is, is you kind of line up Marco Gonzalez against other pitchers. Um, and you, for me at least, and I go in which matchup does he have a reasonable chance of beating the guy he's pitching against, you know, more than 50% of the time. Um, and, you know, you just kind of look at it like the Yankees, for example, we'll stick with them. Uh, Tanaka versus, uh, Marco, does he beat? Does Marco outpitch Tanaka more than fifty percent of the time? I don't think so. Same goes with Paxton. Same goes with Severino. Um, and then you get to Hap, and you're like, mm, yeah, maybe. Um, so I mean, there's just not a ton of upside with Marco Gonzalez, and that's why he's not a one or a two. Um, like I said, he's not going to outduel, you know, Garrett Cole. Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke, often. Um, so he's just, he's a number three, he's a number four, and that's fine because you need those guys in your rotation um, to get, you know, to get through a season. And, um, but like if, if Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Justin Dunn, and Justice Sheffield are what we think they can be, and you go into a five game series, uh, playoff series, Marco might not be in your rotation. Um, yeah. if everything goes right. So that that's just kind of what we mean by it. It's like I said, if you're a number three, understand that you're still like a, you know, a $20 million a year pitcher. I mean, that's what a number three is now. Um, you know, number four is somewhere between a five and a three and a five to me is Tommy Malone. Um, so I would say Marco's closer to a three. Uh, Marco Gonzalez is closer to a three than he is to a five but he's also closer to a four than he is to a one. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's just like we like Marco. He's a good player, a good pitcher. Uh, middle of the rotation, you're just fine. But if you go into a playoff series and he's your best starter, you're probably not going to win that playoff series. Um, and that's pretty much the, you know, the differentiator. So um, thanks for the question, Eli. It was a good one. Um, and uh, make sure you uh, tweet us some more. That was a really good question. Um, let's move on to uh, professional pain in the butt, Colton Swanson, uh, <laughs> who happens to write for us. Um, he wants to know if there's any specific Rule 5 players the Mariners should focus on. Um, <clears throat> so that's, that's kind of a tough question there um, because we don't know who's going to be eligible. Players will be added throughout the offseason to the 40-man to protect them. Um, yep. And also, you know, we don't really have much time to prep on this. Uh, there's one name in particular that I've been looking at uh, since July of this year. Uh, he plays for the Tampa Bay Rays and their organization. Jake Cronenworth. Yeah, Jake Cronenworth yeah. Uh, yeah. is a guy that I absolutely love. Um, shortstop slash pitcher. He's kind of a dual purpose guy. Uh, kind of a slap hitter, not much power there, but he's a pretty, well, he's a really good athlete. He's got a plus arm. You're talking 96, 97 off the mound with a pretty good breaking ball. Um, I would love to add that guy to my 25-man roster, kind of move him around the diamond a little bit, and then have him in my back pocket as a, as a pitcher, um, you know, and kind of work, work the system that way. 
Um, I, I like Cronauer <laughs> quite a bit. He's a good base runner too. Um, he's just kind of the guy that I would like to have on my bench. I don't know if he's a an everyday option uh, per se, um, but as a utility guy, I like him more than uh, your Dylan Moores and your you know your Tim Lopes um, type of guys. So. Yeah. Um, I would like the Mariners to trade for him. Uh, but if he is not protected in the rule five, then I will happily, 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 uh, suggest him all off season to anybody who will listen. I, I really like Cronenworth. So, uh, that'd be kind of the guy for me. Um, also side note, if you are looking for guys in the rule five, just go to the, go to the Rays, uh, you know, top 30 page and, most of the guys on that are, I mean, the Rays are so deep and they have such a good, uh, such good depth that there's some really good players that aren't protected on their 40 man roster right now. Um, Cronenworth, just one of them. Um, kind of the other guy is, uh, uh, the other guy who is going to end up being protected, uh, is, uh, Ronaldo Hernandez is the catcher. Um, he is rule five eligible as well. Also from the Rays, um, and, uh, Vidal Brujan, uh, I, I don't know if he was added in September. Um, but he is technically rule five eligible. He will get added. Um, but those are just a few guys. Um, I don't know if you have anybody else Ty, that you've kind of been looking at, but, uh, those are kind of, you yeah, know, Cronenworth's my guy. Uh, yeah. just like you, that's the, that's the guy that's, uh, that's kind of the dream. Uh, if he does, uh, get, added to the 40-man roster. I hope they're trading for him. Yeah. Uh, or they're trading for him right before he gets added to the 40-man roster or whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jake Cronenworth is really, really talented and uh, would love to have him on that team. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so the race have a bunch of guys that are really interesting. Uh, so, and that, you know, that tend to, tends to happen when you have a loaded... Uh, 40-man roster you gotta cut cut guys to add other guys and sometimes you just don't have room for everybody um and hopefully the mariners get to that spot real soon um right now they're not they definitely have moves they can make on their 40-man to clear space the rays are kind of stuck so that's a good way to take advantage of it but yeah i really like the idea of cronenworth as kind of the uh the 26 guy on my roster who i can play two or three times a week um and there's potential there that he could be an everyday guy. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. So I, I Cronenworth to me is the guy. Um, he's high on my my wish list just in general. Um, but if you can snag him in the Rule Five, that that would be amazing. All right, um, all right, three more to go. <laughs> Here we go. Um, uh, Jordan Le- uh, Jordan Levitt, I think I always forget how to pronounce it. Uh, you guys know him as at Mormon Pizza Man. Um, who I found out lives in Boise. Um, oh, wow. he, yeah. Yeah. Um, he asked, uh, could you imagine a better time for a team rebrand than this off season? Um, by rebrand, it's a little bit open-ended. I don't know what you mean. Uh, in terms of like a name change. No, I mean, you're the Mariners. That is what you are in terms of maybe a logo and a new set of uniforms. I'm always down for new uniforms. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, like rebrand, like the true to the blue Twitter handle. I, I, I mean, I like I said, I'm down for absolutely anything except for the name change. Um, 
you know, the uniforms, I tend to like new uniforms. There's very few, like, teams come out with new uniforms. Every year there's a team that has, like, brand new uniforms. Um, and I typically, I tend to like them. I, you know, I'm, I'm a uniform guy. Um, I even like, I know, like, a few years ago, remember people made fun of the, uh, the Diamondbacks for their kind of weird thing. I kind of like them. So, I mean, um, if we're talking new uniforms, I'm down. Yeah, I'd love to see something that goes back more into the, you know, royal blue and gold, uh, you know, something like that. Or maybe if they wanted to add a little red, like what the Rainiers did. Yeah, um, I'm really I'm really down for anything like that. I would love to see new uniforms. Uh, obviously, you know, they they did adjust the lettering on the uniforms like four or five years ago. Um, and that was that was cool and everything. But. I don't know. The, the uniforms kind of feel dated at this point to me. Um, they mm, are they're classic. Cla- yeah, they're classic. But I just uh, I'd, I'd love to see something new. And plus, you know, the, these uniforms for the most part, you know, obviously you, you get the the double and everything with, with Griffey and Egger and all, all those guys on the one sixteen win season and all that. But I think you know for the most part nowadays, you know, you look at those uniforms and they're more associated with the drought and everything that's happened over the last 18 years so i don't know i guess it really depends on, on how you look at it but i would i would love to see new uniforms to kind of just kickstart a new generation of uh mariners baseball yeah i, I think um so there there are a few i have a few ideas for that type of thing um a few years back the mariners wore these like all black and white they were black they were white with black piping um mm with the black uh, pull-up socks and all that stuff, the, the stirrups and all that. Um, and it was for the Seattle Steelhead, which is an old uh, – I don't know if they were yeah. a Negro League-affiliated team or they were just an all-black baseball team. Um, but those look sick. So any any variation of white with black piping and lettering uh, for the Mariners, I am in on. Uh, not what they wore this year on Players Weekend. Those look like really badly fitted pajamas. Um so not not that, but something a little better. Uh, maybe I'll post the picture on uh, on Twitter. Um, also, I kind of dig the vest. You know, they used to do the yeah the, the vest with vest. the t-shirt underneath. Yeah, I, um, I I could be down for that, man. Every once in a while, um, it's, I think watch out for the magenta, uh, the magenta coloring, uh, like lettering at least. That's probably uh, coming at some point. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, I'm always down for new uniforms. They want to do something a little more modern, like the, uh, um, like the Diamondbacks. That I'm fine with that. Honestly, um, I honestly I'd be fine if they just added more to the, like if they kept what they have now as their traditional home aways, and they just kind of added a few more alternates. I'd be fine with that too. Um, I like the Sunday cream. Uh, I think that's fine. Um, I don't dislike the teal like a lot of people do. Um, I think that's fine as well. Um, yeah, I think, you know, maybe after this year would be a better time after the 2020 season because by then most of your young, like super talented guys, they're probably either up or really close to it. Um, so that might be the time to rebrand. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm always down for new uniforms if that's what you're talking about. So uh, it's yeah. fine by me. Yep. All right. Two more questions. Here we go. Uh, from at CRT uh, Sports Cards. He wants to know, uh, taking away the hot start of the season, Vogelback had a very rough year. 
what is his long-term future with the organization? Uh, I guess I'd ask this. Does he have one? Ty, what do you think? Yeah, I honestly don't know. Uh, God, he just kind of fell off a cliff for the last you know three months or so of the season. Pretty much after the All-Star break, it was yeah. just all downhill. Um, yeah, I think it really comes down to you know what happens here with um, with Evan White um, and what their plan is if White doesn't make it. Is it Austin Nola? Is it someone in free agency like a Justin Smoke or Ryan Zimmerman or someone like that? And uh, where does Vogelback fall into that? You know, is Domingo Santana still on the team? Are they going to try him at, at first base? Or is he, you know, are they looking at him more as a DH full-time? I don't really know. Um, you know, they're, they're just, there aren't a whole lot of options. Obviously, the, the roster ex- is expanding to 26 uh this year uh i i i guess that helps his chances um but you know he's not flexible in terms of positions he can play he's not a very good first baseman as is um do you keep a full-time dh on your roster uh especially one that really struggled to hit for three months I just, I don't know. I, you know, I assume there's probably going to be some trade interest this offseason on him from perhaps maybe from maybe teams like Detroit, Kansas City, maybe someone like Tampa. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just, I can't imagine that he is going to have uh, a great chance to, to make this team at this point. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, I think it's a little uh, unfair to take away the hot start at the beginning of the year because, uh, to be fair to Vogelback, it was more than just a a streak. He was really good for the first, like, three months of the year. Um, So that's that's not a two-week thing there. Um, Also, you know, taking away a player's best and only focusing on his worst is always a way to lose value. Um, in your evaluation of a player. Um, that being said, yeah, Vogelback was bad, really, after the All-Star break. Um, I think he's going to get a good shot at it um, in spring training, uh, simply because, again, the Mariners are kind of just waiting for Evan White to be ready. Um, and if Vogelback gets you know 60 games or whatever at first base um, and he shows what he did the first half of next year, his trade value is going to go up. Um, but as you mentioned already, his trade value is going to be limited because he's, you know, not a great first baseman and he's probably really only a DH. Um, so, I mean, he doesn't, it's not like he has a ton of trade value. Um, he's also out of options, so you can't send him to the minors. Um, so Vogelback's kind of in a weird spot. Um, I think he's going to, I, I don't think the Mariners have much leverage right now to trade him. They should just keep him, uh, in spring training. Maybe there's an injury. Or something, and if it's just not going to work out in spring, you see it's not going to work out in spring training. Um, you could be looking at a trade um, similar to a few years ago when the Mariners traded um, Erasmo Ramirez for Mike Montgomery. Um, you know, just kind of a a swap of similar guys. One has options, one doesn't. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know if he has a future with the Mariners. I would like for him to have one. Um, I just don't like the idea as a full t- of having a full-time DH unless 
the full-time DH is Daniel Vogelbach in, you know, April, May, and June, uh, then that's fine. But uh, if you're just an average hitter and you're clogging up the DH spot, then I'm not a big fan of that. So um, I don't know that he has a, a future in the – I think I think he'll survive this offseason, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if he's the opening day first baseman or DH uh, and he gets a good long run, run at it. Um, because I also don't believe that he's as bad as he was the second half of last year. Um, I, I think the reality of Vogel back the hitter is closer to uh, the first half of 2019 than the second half. So uh, there's still some value there, but I just don't know if he's if he fits. If he's the I don't know, see the square peg in the round hole. You know what I mean? So um, we'll see how it works out for him. I think he's going to get his shot in 2019 or 2020 um, until Evan White's ready, and then we'll see. Um, but like you said, if, if Domingo Santana doesn't get traded and if the Mariners say, hey, well, you know, Omar Narvaez is going to get some reps at first base this spring, then it probably is not a good sign. Uh, we'll see how all that works out. But right now I would say – his long-term future with the organization, if I had to say something, is that he doesn't have one. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, I, I would love to be wrong. Vogel bombs. Cornelius is awesome. So uh, I'd very much like to see uh, like to see him, uh, you know, be a, a, a staple of the Mariners. But uh, I just, as of right now, don't see that really as a reality. So, um, I mean, yeah, it'll, it'll be he'll be an interesting guy to track this winter. Um, so uh, last question we have here is from Jake Mastriani uh, at shortstop ball on Twitter. He is the uh, co-editor for Tomahawk takes, which is the Atlanta Braves, um, the Atlanta Braves site here on the fan side and network. Uh, they are the Soto Mojo of the Atlanta Braves in other words. Um, so it's nice for him to send us a question. Uh, he two part question here. Um, let's start with, let's start with the first part. Um, which established major league player is most likely to be traded this season? Um, I, I mean, I think we're both going to say D Gordon. Um, yeah. So let's, let's take D Gordon off the table. Um, aside from D Gordon, who, who, which big leaguer do you established big leaguer? Do you think is most likely to be uh-huh. dealt? Uh, I think Domingo Santana. Um, I think, you know, because of the interest that was there before the deadline and before the elbow injury, of course, teams are going to be concerned about the elbow and whether or not he needs surgery or what's going on with that uh, and if he'll be able to play right out of the gate. Um, Yeah, um, but he seems to be kind of the guy that's like second in line. You know, also there's Mitch Hanniger, Alex Smith, um, Omar Narvaez, Tom Murphy, those guys could real, all realistically be dealt this offseason. But, um, yeah, I think outside of D and Domingo, um, or, I mean, uh, D and Domingo are, are really the, the two guys that I see most likely to be dealt. Yeah, um, I think I agree with that. And then I would put in the, thir- like, if I had to pick a third place, um, I'd, I'd probably put Malik's. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm still like 65, 70% sure Hanniger will be with the Mariners um, on opening day. But I mean, 
30% is still pretty significant. So um, I, I just think Malik's, and I, I think Malik's is more than likely going to be on the Mariners opening day roster as well. Um, like I said, you're talking about established big leaguers. The Mariners don't have a ton of those. Um, yeah. You know, Kyle Seeger's not going to be worth much, uh, even though he had a great second half. Um, so he's probably not going anywhere. They don't have an established big leaguer at shortstop per se. Uh, they don't have one at first base. Deke Gordon, we've talked about. Catcher, Narvaez, kind of a specialty case there. Um, I don't think they're going to trade Tom Murphy. Um, you know, and then you go to the outfield, and that's where most of your established players are. Um, and it, the bullpen arms, there's not really a ton there to trade. Um, so, yeah, I think it's D, Domingo, and then maybe Malik Smith, I think, is the the three most likely candidates. So, um, yeah. We'll see. They do have to clear up some outfield spot, and those three seem like the uh, seem like the most obvious uh, candidates to me. Um, Jake also wants to know, and I don't know if this is a joke or not. Um, he wants to know what's the what's the plan going forward. But what is the plan? So what is what the is the plan? Yes. Yeah, so, um, well, first Jake, of all, if, if it's a joke, it is a well executed one. Um, well, Jake, I, I recommend you ask um, our friend at John Heyman. That's at J-O-N-H-E-Y-M-A-N. Uh, he can point you in the right direction on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the plan is, you know, honestly, a lot like what the Braves plan was. You know, trade away all your uh, trade away all your your players that have value, your Justin Uptons and all that type of stuff, BJ Upton, trade those guys away. Um, they've kept one or two guys ar- around, like the Braves kept Freddie Freeman around. Um, yep. They've acquired a ton of pitching um, and a ton of a ton of prospects or whatnot. Uh, they're waiting for them to come up to the big leagues. Um, it's actually a pretty standard, I would say, a pretty standard rebuilding plan. The only difference is, is that the Mariners kicked it into hyperdrive uh, by trading everybody in one off season um, and acquired players who are closer to the big leagues as opposed to guys who are you know three four years away um, that's the big difference between the Mariners rebuild and other rebuilds um, but yeah to me it's pretty similar to the what the Braves did a few years back um, you know it's it's a realization that mediocre is not good enough so we're gonna shed as much payroll and as much uh, as much veterans as many veterans as we can. We're going to collect as many young, good young arms as we can. We're going to draft well. We're going to develop well, um, and then we're going to really uh, trust our player development staff to get these guys to the big leagues and get them big league ready. Um, and we're going to make sure we have a guy around like a Freddie Freeman, who in this case is probably Mitch Haniger or Marco Gonzalez. Um, we're going to make sure we have that guy around in the clubhouse to help out and, uh, go from there. So I, I think, like I said, I think the Braves plan from a few years ago, it's just on a slightly more accelerated timeline. Um, because the Braves took, you know, the Braves took trades for guys who are a little bit further away, but had higher upside. Um, whereas the Mariners are looking for guys who are, you know, closer to the big leagues. And that's pretty much the only difference. I think so. And a little luck has played into it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if they acquired, you know, Jared Kelnick thinking that they were going to get him up in 2020, 
you know. Uh, it, so yeah. you know, Julio Rodriguez it really yep. you know jumped out this year and and really you know pushed his timeline forward. Um, you know it, it, and you know you need some of those things to happen in a rebuild, and especially when you want to meet a window like this. So um, yeah, I think you know it, it's similar in ways to what the Braves have done, and and not uh, in other ways. It's just uh, it's kind of their own thing, uh, and they're you know they're a lot of good things are happening for them. You know, even, uh, you know, they're even getting some of their lower tier prospects that have really jumped out and have actually become, you know, real legitimate prospects that you could see becoming big leaguers at this point. LJ Newsom is one that really jumped out this year. Uh, Sam Delaplane, uh, Penn Murphy, uh, guys like those, have, Donnie, have Walton. Donnie Walton. Yeah. Guys like those that, that I've mentioned and even uh, a few others, have really, um, have really, you know, lifted their ceiling and, and have, uh, or have at least raised their floor and, um, and have become, you know, legitimate prospects to actually talk about. So they're, they're a pretty stacked organization right now. Uh, when you just look at their prospect depth and, and everything and they have, um, they have room to fail yeah. and to, and to, you know, uh, you know, fall short on some of these guys and to be able to recover from that. Cause you know, it's not going to work out with everyone. Uh, even with, you know, some of the guys that have come up to the major league level already and, you know, and may have had some success, even if someone like Kyle Lewis suddenly, you know, doesn't, um, you know, he gets uh, figured out. Con- yeah. If he does, if he doesn't, you know, continue doing what he did to end the season and he kind of falls back down to earth, they still have a, you know, Plan A, B, C, D, E, F, and G for that. Um, so there's a lot of good work being done by Jerry Depoto, by that scouting department, uh, by Andy McKay, um, by you know every staff throughout the minor leagues, whether it be from Everett to Tacoma. Uh, they're really just doing a, a really good job throughout the organization to build this. Uh, these players up and and really create a culture throughout their organization and uh, you know the work's not done yet you know they're still gonna add a lot of pieces over the next year and uh, and then really hit it hard uh, next offseason when they when they feel that they're ready yeah I think you know similar to the Braves situation (sighs) just going back to that um, I think free agency is for them is going to be more of a finishing move than a uh, yep. building block. Um, you know, the Braves went out this offseason and they gave $20 million to uh, Josh Donaldson. Um, and that, I mean, obviously that, that worked out. Um, you know, they gave, you know, they got a good deal on Nick Markakis, but still, you know, those are the type of moves that Seattle's going to do. They, the Braves still built with Ozzie Albies and Ronald Acuna, Dansby Swanson, Freddie Freeman. You know, those are all guys who are, you know, homegrown stars. Uh, I mean, you traded for Dan. Danby, but you know what? We'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but uh, you know, those are all guys who are legitimately homegrown, and then you sprinkled in a few veterans. You know, your uh, Brian McCanns and your Nick Markakis, and then you went out and you signed a star, and that turned you know that turned you guys from a, a good story last year to a legitimate World Series contender this year. Um, so I think you know that's kind of what the Mariners are looking at. They're they're looking at they're trying to find their Albies and their Acuna, and they think they have some good candidates there. They're trying to find their Dansby Swanson, 
Um, and again, I think they have good candidates there. They're Mike Sorokas and all that stuff. They're trying to find those guys. And I think they have some really good candidates to be that type of player for them. Um, and then when the time's right, which I think will probably be next off season, um, you could see them go out and get their Josh Donaldson and their Brian McCann and say, okay, here we go. Um, so I, like I said, I think it's, and there is, there is no, no more appropriate time than, than right now to mention that Shedlong was on pace to have a very similar season to Ozzy Albies this year. Yes. yes Just putting uh, that out there. <laughs> if you look at it on the, uh, the per game average or whatever, then yes, it was, it was quite similar. So, um, so the Mariners feel pretty good that they have some guys uh, that are, you know, going to be really solid uh, and similar to, you know, they think that Kelnick is their Acuna or maybe it's Julio, but you know, they got two shots at that. So um, yeah, they really do, you know, Gilbert's their Soroka and things like that. So they're, they're in a good spot, honestly. And so it's a good plan and it's working. It just takes patience like any rebuild does. Um, all right. So we have, one last question that just snuck in under the deadline. We're going to answer it really quick because we're already over an hour. Ready, Ty? Yep. <sighs> okay. At <laughs> oh my god, I um at Ryugi Moon YT YT. I have no idea. Is that a game reference or something? I have no idea. I I assume the YT is for YouTube, but other than that, I have no idea what Ryugi Moon is. Sorry. Yo and Harvest Moon. I don't know. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. Um, but he, but uh, let's see. Does 2021 still seem like a reasonable goal to begin contending, considering what we saw last year and what we may see this year? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I guess we kind of answered that in the last question. But yeah, I think uh, nothing's changed. And, you know, most of those struggles from last year were from a team that look completely different from the team that played in September. Uh, when you just look at personnel and everything like that. Um, yeah, it, it was a much different team in the second half than it was in the first half. And they played better baseball in the second half. And we're, you know, I, they may not have won a whole lot of games in the second half, but they, um, they were just more entertaining and more competent to watch. Right. Um, Kind of the other thing I guess I would add there is that, um, you know, you know, for, we don't know what we're going to watch in 2020. So saying, you know, based on what we saw in 2020, it's 2021 still realistic. Well, I don't know because yeah. we haven't seen 2020. Uh, but I get what you're, I get. I definitely get what you're going for there. Um, 2020 is probably going to be another, you know, I don't want to say it's going to be better, I think, but probably not a great season. Um, so can you make that jump from bad to good um, in one off season? Yeah, you can. Um, we saw the Twins do it. We saw the Braves do it. Um, you know, it's we saw the Rays go from seventy to ninety some odd wins. We saw the A's go from seventy wins to ninety wins in one off season. Um, yeah, it's totally possible. It's happened quite a bit recently. Um, it'll probably happen again in twenty twenty to some team we don't know about yet maybe the Reds um, teams jump from the seventies to the nineties every year. And it's because the players they have on hand get better. And then they add from the outside the organization. So teams can get significantly better um, in a short period of time. Um, and the other thing I, I guess I would say um, just to kind of, I don't just to kind of look at the question the way I don't know what 
you consider to be contending? Um, is the team going to be a World Series favorite in 2021? No, I don't think so. Um, are they going to be playing? Could they be playing meaningful games in August and September? Does that count as contending? Then, yeah, I, I think that's totally reasonable. Um, are they going to make the playoffs in 2021? Maybe. I think it's possible. I, I just, without knowing what your definition of contending is, I can't really answer the question that well. Um, yeah. But based on my definition of contending, which is, you know, going into September with a reasonably good shot to make the playoffs. Um, then yeah, 2021 is totally realistic. If contending for you is, you know, winning the world series or going to the world series, I think you're probably looking more at 2022 as the first year for that type of competition. So, or that type of contention. So, um, but yeah, like I said, it's a, it's a fair question. It's a good one. Um, and one that we haven't really addressed on the show, but yeah, I mean the, the, the window that they've stated still looks, you know, reasonable to me, uh, for contention, for a playoff spot um, for a world series. No, but I don't think their 2021 goal was to win the world series. So, um, but we'll see, you never know. Uh, but I, I'm still totally on board of where they are at. So um, I think that's all the questions we were going to have time for. Yes. I'm, I'm closing the questions now. Um, thank you guys <laughs> so much for sending in all those questions. It really helped turn what we thought was going to be like a 25 minute show into almost an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, so Ty, I guess before we sign off here, you have anything you want to say? No, I, I want to get out of here. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Soto Mojo podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at Soto Mojo FS. Make sure you visit the website, sotomojo.com for all your Mariners rumors, uh, news, notes, trade ideas, etc. It's the hot stove season pretty soon uh you know they're preheating the burners right now um but in a couple weeks things are going to explode and we will be here for all of it so make sure you guys follow us as i said on our social media make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes and most importantly visit sotomojo.com guys we have some good stuff that's going to be up um and we just have a lot of fun this winter so i thank you guys so much for being a part of this and i will see you in, an, in another life peace out also go nets go nets <laughs> <laughs>